Hi, this is Chase Masterson, and you're listening to PriorityOnePodcast.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, Mexico is the closest thing to Planet Risa. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Aloha, Captains! You're listening to episode 134 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Thursday, June 27th, 2013, live on trekradio.net, and available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm Elijah. And I'm James. And unfortunately, Tony was caught under a terrible storm in his little hut on Risa. Would you believe it? Just his one little section, the one little hut that he and his wife have on Risa, the weather system failed, and he's in four feet of water. <coughs> I hacked it. <coughs> hacked it. <coughs> anyway. We'll just have to get to the bottom of that, I assure you. But anywho, what do we have in store this week, James? Well, when I'm not hacking weather systems, I mean, um, <clears throat> in this episode of Priority One, we raise shields and check out yet another iconic Star Trek technology that is creeping closer to reality. This is a very cool technology. We know it as shields. In Stone News, we review the latest dead blogs, including the latest duty officer pack, Romulan Survivors. Finally, we'll be opening up our hailing frequencies to see uh, what kind of incoming messages we got from you guys. All right, captains, we need your help and support in the form of contributions to our Indiegogo project. We want to get the bridge of the Enterprise D to Las Vegas for the 2013 Star Trek convention. The Priority One team will be there in full force. Myself, James, Elliot, Adrian will all be there. So please visit our Indiegogo page to find out how you can support the project and the benefits you'll receive as a contributor. Links will be on our website, or you can visit Indiegogo.com and search on Enterprise. James, let me ask you a question. Who's your favorite Trek star that's going to be at Vegas? Mm. I, I mean, it's got to go. I got to go with Patrick Stewart or Frakes. I don't know. One of the two. I mean, they're they're both so amazing. Do you think but, they'll yeah. want to sit in the chair? Just a maybe. Can you imagine getting a picture with them on the bridge? How about this? Oh imagine God. getting an interview. Do you think they'll come to the transmission booth and sit down in the chair? Do you think they might spare a moment to talk to us? Maybe maybe schedule an interview for our listeners? Maybe answer some questions oh that they submit? Please, like we always ask please. of our loyal listeners? So, Captains, I encourage you to head on over to our Indiegogo project and contribute if you can. And if you cannot offer a monetary contribution, then please share the project with your friends and family on Facebook and Twitter and just get the word out. Unfortunately, the convention company isn't willing to shell out the money to get the bridge there and support the non-for-profit new starship endeavor to build an actual museum out of the remaining parts of the Enterprise D bridge. So it's up to us to get it there, to get the word out. 
in an awesome experience in the mecca of Star Trek conventions. So if you can, please head on over to Indiegogo.com or PriorityOnePodcast.com. Click on the link. And again, if you can't contribute, please, please, please share it with your friends. That's right, because this is for everybody. It's not just for us and the people at the convention. It's really for everybody, because in the long run, when a museum is made, if we can get it done and all that kind of stuff, it will be for everybody to go and visit and enjoy and do pictures and do all that great stuff. So make sure you get people to help out. A special thanks to everyone who has already contributed to the project. Thank you guys all so very much. And thank you actually in advance to those who are going to contribute, because we know you will. We know you will, because you're good people and you want to help. Do it. Also, we want to remind you that Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. We've got articles. We've got blogs. We've got stuff from some of the most respected members of Star Trek Online and the greater scientific communities, including our latest Dilithium Tracker article from Sam on Maui and the latest addition to the Priority One family. We revive in development and bring you some amazingly creative do-it-yourself projects from Kate, Robin, and Adrienne, best known for their amazing cosplay adventures and conventions across the country. In their first installment, they will teach you how to make your very own Andoria antennae. So be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and get yourself a set of antennae. I have to agree with Tony when he said last week that being Andorian is cooler than being Orion. Ooh, yeah. I, uh, I have. I I've honestly, I've seen, I have, for those people that dress up as Andorians, their makeup and costume typically is so much better than, than Orion's. For whatever reason, the green paint just doesn't stay on. I don't know. It just, it's weird. Anywho, speaking of blogs, captains, we are looking for some amazing writers to guest blog on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you a geeky mom or dad? Do you consider yourself to be the biggest Trek fan? Well, we think that your opinion does matter. So join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com as a guest blogger and share your geek-tastic opinions, reviews, or news with our audience. Send us a message to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com if you're interested. Captains, the Priority One fleet has openings for administrative positions. So if you're interested in visiting our forums at forums dot priority one podcast dot com or chat with us in game by joining our open chat channel to do that just type slash channel underscore join priority one in your chat box in game and that's slash channel underscore join priority one keep in mind that you don't have to become a member of the fleet to join the channel if you want to just join the channel so you can chat with us feel free come apply we could use good people in the fleet always as we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on trekradio.net every Thursday at about 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can chat live with us in-game or visit trekradio.net and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under the community link. Whoa, what, what, what is this? I'm picking something up under the subspace Elijah. frequency. Elijah! T- Tony, Tony, you is hear that me? you? Hello, Tony? Elijah, oh, oh good. Yes, uh, I've, I've managed to combine some coconuts and quartz sand and uh, banana juice and, and cobble together subspace radio. How are you? Oh, well, welcome. I'm glad that you were able to, to, to be here for Trek It Out. Well, let's jump right in, shall we? I don't know. Then let's Trek It Out. Captains, you may have heard the that the Inspiration Mars Foundation, a private, non-for-profit organization, was looking for a couple, a man and a woman, to take a 501-day journey to fly within 100 miles around the Red Planet and return safely to Earth. Unfortunately, scientists have expressed concern over the levels of radiation the crew would be exposed to during their journey. 
Several solutions have been offered, including lining the craft with various materials. But scientists at the UK Rutherford Appleton Laboratory have turned to our beloved sci-fi franchise for the answer. In an article posted on CNN.com, writer Dave Gilbert explains, The RAL plan is to create an environment around the spacecraft that mimics the Earth's magnetic field and recreates the protection we enjoy on the ground. They call it a mini-magnetosphere. The design has been tested on a model inside a fusion reactor that produces a plasma like that of solar wind. Researchers said that they were delighted with the results. I mean, how amazing is it that the final frontier is now closer than ever? And scientists continue to look towards Gene Roddenberry's creative vision for answers to the hardest technical questions. From deflectors to tricorders to interactive window panes. The future, oh, the future is fast approaching. So, Tony, you know, what about you and your wife? You think you could survive a 100, a 501 day journey to Mars and back alone in space together? Well, one of us would survive the trip. I don't know about the. I don't know about both. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we we need to borrow from that other sound, uh, that other uh, famous uh, franchise, a spy franchise. Get smart with the cone of silence. One of us would be banished to the cone of silence. You know, once a day or something, so the other one wouldn't have to listen to it. I think it's fun how the navigational deflector. The thing that is so important to every Federation starship that it's always stuck on the front end of every ship, from the NX-01 to the Odyssey class in the game, we're finally getting around to building one of those. And uh, it's just another example of Gene Roddenberry didn't make all this stuff up. I'm sure it was in other sci-fi franchises, but he brought it all together and said, one day, people are going just going to go to work, and these are the tools they're going to have at their office, and they're going to go out and do stuff with it. And it's all going to be in a package like this. And we're finally getting around to putting that kit together. Well, we want to give a special thanks to uh, Ben Weiss and Joey Brooks-Rose for sending this article in to us. And we want to remind you, Captains, that if you discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about, then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Oh, oh no. It looks like we're losing Tony again. Oh no. Tony. Tony. Oh, well. There he goes. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In the latest guest blog on Star Trek Online, Nicholas John 16 encourages the ongoing struggle against intolerance with an article highlighting all the risks Gene Roddenberry took when putting together Star Trek The Original Series. From the first African-American woman in a high-ranking position on the bridge of a naval ship to the first Japanese-American playing a strong leadership role as the pilot of a starship. Star Trek has proven to be the embodiment of diversity and continues to promote not only tolerance, but universal peace between all races, colors, creeds, genders, species, you name it. If you're different, guess what? It doesn't matter. Star Trek continues to break down barriers and will continue to do so. And to celebrate that ongoing love, Stonewall Fleet is holding its fourth annual Pride Weekend. This event will span the weekend of June 29th and 30th with events planned throughout the days. As well, they plan to have prizes available for participants and contest winners. They welcome anyone who would like to attend. To participate, please join the public in-game channel STO Pride. I think Nicholas says it best when he writes, Gene Roddenberry's original vision of Star Trek was that the Enterprise was a sort of starship Earth. 
He wanted to depict all races, genders, and nationalities working together to solve problems. I think he did that and far more. The Federation is now a symbol of diversity and acceptance, and we can now take a lesson from Star Trek. In Star Trek Online, we are frequently in contact with players from different nations, genders, languages, sexual orientations, and religions. We need to accept that diversity and treat each other with respect. After all, we're here because of our shared love for Trek. So captains, visit fleet.stonewallgaming.net forward slash pride to find out how you can participate in the event. Don't forget, they also had the first interracial kiss on uh, Star Trek between Kirk and Uhura. Oh, yeah. So that was a big one, too. That was another layer they broke down on TV, yeah. Moving on, Legacy of Romulus, dev blog number 25, in a dev blog by designer Jesse Heinig. We're all given details on the first annual summer event, also known as Planet Rise's Low Lunat Festival event. Jesse writes, The Risens will open their event on a new resort island starting around 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Thursday, June 27th, and the festivities will last until server maintenance on Thursday, August 15th. To enjoy this event, head on over to Risa in the series sector box and or transwarp there by selecting the event in your mission journal calendar. KDF captains can head to the borders of the series sector block from any adjoining sector and receive special permission to warp directly to Risa's system. Once you arrive, beam down to the planet and join the party. So what can you expect from the event? Well, from what we hear, jetpack races, Horgon scavenger hunts, a Ryzen Corvette, very cool, the fastest racer this side of Tatooine. I mean, uh, in the quadrant. And, uh, yeah, the quadrant. Um, it's really cool. Actually, it's this really cool speedboat-looking thing. It's pretty awesome. Every half an hour, the resort will host a dance party on the beach side of the dance floor. Follow the dance moves of the dance instructor, and you'll learn the Lolunat favors, which can trade in for a variety of rewards. Speaking of rewards, Elijah, why don't you tell us about those rewards? All right, well, participating in the tropical festivities of Risa's Lohlunat Festival will reward players with Risen Lohlunat Pearls and Lohlunat Favors. So in dev blog number 26, we're introduced to all the special tokens that can be traded in to earn various rewards. The favors can be redeemed either by visiting a local vendor located on the boardwalk near Rice's Resort or by unlocking and accessing the store directly from your event reputation UI. Players will be able to participate in the dance competition and the Horgon hunt in order to earn favors. Lolunat favors may also be purchased using Lobi Crystals. The price will be 5 Lobi Crystals for a package that offers between 10 and 30 favors for you to spend on the festival souvenirs. Now, some of the rewards include summer festival food and drinks. You're also able to get the Lolunat Tribble, granting an additional hit point regen and resistance to psionic attacks. Additionally, it will offer a boost to flight speed and traction for Ryzen floaters if used while the summer event is active. Speaking of the floaters, jetpacks! Woo! I just feel like like the old do you remember like when they first saw those jetpacks in movies it was like I think it was James Bond was like the first movie to ever have one of those little jetpacks things and I just like instantly heard like you know the the like the Peter Gunn theme you know like the in my head like the second I saw a little jetpack picture on the screen just like you know down 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 you know and just like I could just imagine flying to that music in my little jetpack and just having a blast the <laughs> 
the first thing I, I I had to work this morning, so I haven't had the opportunity of exploring Risa yet. But the first thing I did when I got into the game was get myself one of the rentals, and I just like shot straight up in the air because I just wanted to see. And it's you know it's cool, man. It's a gorgeous vista and gorgeous environment that they've created. So kudos to Cryptic. I really want myself one of those awesome jetpacks. Well, technically, I guess in game they're saying it's an anti gravity device or something like that, but. It's it's a jetpack. Man, people. it's a jetpack. It's, it's, it's a jetpack. I'm calling it's a jetpack. It's a, it's a jetpack. Let's call it a judges. Judges. Yeah, judges rule jetpack. It's cool. We're good. Now, last but certainly not least, once you collect 1,000 Ryzen Lohlunat pearls, you earn a brand new Ryzen Corvette Starship. You can earn the pearls by participating in floater flight challenges called Fly High. This is a daily, which will require you to play 25 times in order to earn the full thousand. So, James, are you picking yourself up the shiny new Corvette? You know, all I have to say is, zoom, zoom, there's no way. No, I I, I honestly, I really want to. I would love to. I'm going to try to. I can't guarantee that I'll get one, but I'm certainly going to try. Well, for you captains that aren't really aware, it's a sleek-looking ship. It looks like a speedboat, like you would see on the waters. But here's what you can expect to get. The whole strength is about 27,000, with a base turn rate of 21 degrees per second, with plus 5 power to weapons and plus 15 power to engines. Increase defense based on speed up to plus 15%. Now, this sucker can load cannons, and it's got a universal console called the Subspace Wake Generator. And what this does is that it utilizes a special type of overdrive circuit in the impulse injection assemblies, allowing for higher sustained warp speeds as well as improved boosts by speed. With a hull strength of about 27,000, even though the sucker's fast, it'll definitely blow up quickly. Here's what I foresee for these, okay? Here's the future. They're not combat. They're not any of that, okay? But here's what I foresee. These, you know, shuttle races, okay, forget shuttle races. This is what's going to... They're going to be racing these. These are going to be the new racer out in space okay it's not going to be shuttles it's going to be these guys this i can already see races going on with these and it's going to be a blast it's going to be fun to do it's going to be fun to watch i really hope that maybe even in the future cryptic if you're listening cryptic could design maybe a track a sector maybe you know where you have to zip around some droids yeah, you know call it planet call it back, you know, something whatever our last bit of news that blog number 27 came out this is covering the romulan survivor duty pack designed to bring familiar tau dua species to the duty officer system allowing captains to staff their ships with hardy romulans badass remans uh really cool sulabans akamarians and some other uh, liberated borg races so stop on in try them out it's pretty cool the special ship to go with this is the sulaban cell ship. It's got six different skins or costumes, whatever you want to call them, that you can outfit this thing with from one that looks like your standard little stacked cells, which is kind of like a little stick ship, all the way up to these really, really awesome, super mad props. I don't know who did this. I don't know if it's Jam Jams or one of the other ship artists over there, but guys, major props on this. Six very cool octopus-looking designs. I can't wait to see these things floating through sector space with their space octopus look and stuff. I think it's just going to be fabulous. So definitely get over and check them out for a chance to win one. They are not combat ships, just so you know. They're meant as freighters. They have some really, really cool options on board and stuff like that. But they do have weapons, but it's mostly just for, you know, fending off things. But they are not combat ships. If you try and use them as a combat ship, it's going to be a very, very short battle for you. 
So let's talk a little bit about those amenities that come with this Suleban Celsia because you're right. It's more like the Tuffley than it is anything else. It includes it really is. a duty officer reassignment contact and a Suluban survivor contact, which are not standard on most starships. Both you and allies that you invite aboard can access the duty officer reassignment contact and the Suluban survivor. The Suluban survivor can give you access to special duty officer assignments. Also is the quartermaster, which sells commodities at a discounted rate. A similar discount applies when you make any energy credit purchases while the cell ship is your active ship. And on top of that, the ship also includes access to the bank, the exchange, a custom bridge that looks like the Suluban bridge. It actually reminds me a lot of the Enterprise scene when Archer is in yeah. the, the Suluban helix. It's actually pretty true to it. You know, it's actually very, very well done. If I had the chance and somebody said, okay, you can win a Tuffley or win one of these, which they're basically kind of right there with each other. I would definitely want one of these. Just if for no other reason, if for no other reason, the look. That octopus, like, look, it's just, it's incredible. It's really, really cool looking. So just for no other reason. I, again, I don't know which artist did it, but mad props, guys. Good job. I like the fact that it kind of looks a bit like a sentinel from the Matrix. It does, huh? Yeah, yeah it, it has that like kind of, yeah, that whole kind of, you know, tentacles hanging behind it look. Well, and if you look at the six different skins or, or costumes they offer, I mean, you could see that there's different patterns mm -hmm. in the swirling of the tentacles behind different thicknesses, some going from thick to thin, some that stay even the whole time, some that have a multi-head cell ship at the top, one that has one giant. I mean, there's just a lot of options. I wonder if the tentacle moves. Like, does it move while you're in space? Is it fluid? I would think, I mean, if you really want it to be just completely awesome, I think it needs to. I think it needs to have like that kind of moving animation, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of mechanics are behind that. If they can do that, I genuinely hope they do. We'll have to wait and see. And then maybe it's something they'll add. I don't know. I'm excited. All right, captains. Well, that wraps up Star Trek online news for this week. Be sure to take advantage of the summer event going on right now in Star Trek online on planet rise up. Maybe I'll see you flying around the island. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. Hello, Captains. As you know, from time to time, we try to offer you some technical support to help you improve your gameplay, from ship builds to PvP. And we want to offer you a guide that will help you get the most out of your Captain in Star Trek Online. But sometimes, interesting things happen when new features are added in-game. Oftentimes, they're great, but on occasion, we find something that can really affect how players enjoy the game. One such feature was added in this recent patch and the new duty officers that have hit holodeck. A new set of duty officers available from the Romulan Survivor Duty Pack have some concerning new features that have been added to the game. One in particular is the security officer for those of you who are tactical officers. This new security officer replaces your original damage increase from ambush with a new damage over time or dot effect. So now when you run ambush, you won't see your gun damage go up on the first hit, but a second after you shoot your gun, you'll see a damage over time or dot number over your target's head. Each duty officer will give you an additional dot proc. Now joining us this episode to help explain this further is an old friend, Pug01, a fleet admiral for the Federation Emergency Services. Pug, thank you so very much for joining us and helping us understand what's going on. Thank you for having me back. So the first part that we need to understand about these new DOFs is that it looks at first as if that your original damage seems to be less. 
But once you start seeing the dot effect, uh, you actually start seeing a completely new side of this damage that is a new, a new to the game. Initially, it seems like, oh, I'm not doing too much. But once you start hitting those big hits off of ambush, you can get some major increases. So instead of losing 150% and then gaining back 300% over having three doffs, the numbers actually look a lot different. So just as an introduction of this, a good example would be as if I was a tactical officer and I was to run battle strategies, target optics, and aim at the same time while running ambush. Using a, a, a Mako sniper rifle, the primary fire on it, just a Mark 11, would give me a damage around 300 or so. But when I now put the doffs on, my original hit of being instead of 300 would now be like 172. But combining the dot damage into it, I can get a total damage of over a 1,177, a 289% damage increase. Hey, Pug, what's the largest number of hit points you've seen on a, uh, a player character? A player character, the maximum that we've been able to do without any buffs is uh, 650. Once you start running a medic that can chain a buff with purple doctors, you can get up to 761. And that's about the highest that you can get on your own. With a bunch of science officers dumping in, you can get up to about a thousand at the maximum. If you have three science officers continuously working at keeping one player's health up, you can attain about a thousand hit points. It's just under, it's about 960. Mathematically, this DOF system will let you take out any player character. Very, very much so, yes. So with teamwork, you can get about 960, but this security officer feature can get you well over a thousand in a single, with a single shot. With a single shot. And this is a very weak shot to begin with. This is actually not a very powerful shot as a demonstration. And the reason why I needed to use a very weak shot is that I needed to keep this person alive to keep counting the numbers down. So it was the mo the best that I could do without killing somebody and trying to get the numbers. If I was to use a secondary on the sniper rifle, we would see the total damage in this numbers being much closer to the 3000 range. So you use the primary fire on the sniper rifle, which is just the regular one shot per second. Uh, if you were to hit the one key over and over fire. But if you were to actually use the sniper function, which has a little aiming laser beam, delivers the uh, high-powered, less frequent shot, you're looking at almost triple? Yes, um, because the numbers are quite different. The primary fire on a sniper we see sort of in the 80 range when we start mousing over the damage. When we do it on the secondary, we're looking at 225. That primary fire is the key to this whole sequence. That primary number on the gun, the higher that is, the bigger the dot is, effect is going to be in the end. There is even a bigger issue with that we have to keep in mind with this whole thing. The dot damage that is now taking place on the target is no longer the same flavor as your weapon. For example, if you have a plasma weapon, this dot no longer does plasma damage using with the gun. It now does physical damage. And physical damage in the game ignores 80% of the shield. So 80% of the damage is now being placed on the target's armor instead of the shields at all. So shields are completely ignored, or mostly ignored. And the effect of this is actually quite dramatic when you start fighting 
because you don't need to generally now take down the shields. You can take that big boss. You can do your big buff, go right up to him and hit him with a big hit. And what will happen is that even though he might still have shields, the damage being done to him by the dart effect is going straight to his armor. All right, so let's talk about how really this is affecting gameplay. What does this mean for a player? So in a PvE situation, what's happening now is that a mission that would have been challenging in the past is no longer going to be nearly as challenging. Using the same buffs that we did before with these DOFs, we can now actually manipulate the situation even further. If we were to use a plasma grenade instead of a gun to fire, as an example, the plasma grenade has the ambush effect on it, and it will keep reapplying this dot effect onto the target. And we have seen up to 300 stacks of this dot on top of a target using the plasma grenade. So now it's almost a fire and forget situation. You go up to your target, buff up, drop your plasma grenade in a group of Borg, for example, and you can run around the corner and just wait and see them die all on their own. And so to some degree, it's changed the dynamic of the game. So now where before we've seen a Kirima Accord as elite on the ground have five minutes left on the optional, having two people run these doffs, we can cut that down and have up to seven minutes left running the exact same style, no pace changes, just using these doffs, getting the extra damage in there is actually quite dramatic to the game. In a PvP scenario, it now gets very different because in a PvP situation, we can see a one tactical officer going in and doing significant AOE damage to a group of people. And those people have no choice other than to just kill over. The evaluation then is that this DOF change is more or less game breaking from a ground combat standpoint. You can only do these one shots as a tactical officer with the right number of DOFs in your active roster. Everybody else is just not going to get this uh, ability. Yes. On the PvP side of the situation, Blast Assault that previously was never really a concern can now be fired with the secondary of a Blast Assault into the middle of a group. And I've been able to repeatedly get dot of 250 with each of the DOFs having 250, combining each dot tick to be 750, which means I can take out a whole group with the Blast Assault if they all bunched up together. It's hardly any player that and can again, survive for, that in the first dot. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, for perspective purposes, that would take out the average player in one damage over time. Forget about the initial shot. Forget about the other damage over time ticks that are going to come after that. One dot tick is about all a single player could stand. Yes, and there is going to be an additional three of them. If you are fully buffed up as a science officer, which means you've already burned some heals and you get the hit, the second time around, you won't be able to heal fast enough to get enough hit points up to maximum hit points to take the second dot. The tactical officer now has such an overwhelming damage effect on the gameplay that any of the other classes are not contributing nearly as much on the damage side. And second to that is that once the dot effect is on you, there's only battle strategies that can clear it, which only tactical officers have. So if you're not running your tactical officer and you are being hit by this effect, 
it's going to have a devastating effect on you being able to continue your gameplay. And you need that battle strategies. Now, a tactical officer can put battle strategies on you, but the general technique is going to be to do an AOE damage effect since you can affect more targets. So the tactical officer will also need the battle strategies for themselves. So at this point, it's getting to the point where you need to play your tactical officer in PvP to be effective in the gameplay. And that's a bit sad for those science officers and engineering officers that really enjoy playing their class. So in other words, if you're doing PvP ground combat, then you need to play as your tactical to think about surviving an issue like this against these boss. Now, I've seen this. We went in, and he took me through the testing of this, and it was remarkable how immediate the opponent that he was facing was taken out in one shot. And we are not talking about, you know, uh, he wasn't firing at me, and I am not the most skilled theory crafter out there. He was fighting against somebody who's much more experienced at this game than I am, and in one shot took out this person. I'm not talking about took out their shields. I'm talking about took them out. They passed out. They were dead. In our STF, it was remarkable how quickly they flew through the STF from beginning to end. It was remarkable. I've never gone through an STF that quickly before without feeling threatened. And again, here I am, the lowly noob that you know doesn't necessarily have the best strategic knowledge on how to do an STF, not having to worry about dying because they were cutting through the Borg like a hot knife through butter. This isn't an exploit, but this is certainly a, an oversight that the, this team, that Pug and his team discovered in less than 24 hours from the moment that these DOFs hit the system, which gets us to the point of, of triple testing. You know, I know this has already been published on the forums and discussed on the forums. What's the general feel about things? Well, this is definitely something that we would have liked to at least work out a little bit more and refine it a bit more. It seems like it makes the PVE side extremely easy. It's almost a fire and forget situation, but it is almost unnecessary in most of the experienced players' uh, mind that we don't really need this amount of damage increase. And on the PvP side, it's quite game-breaking. So it would have been nice to spend some time on trouble to figure out what we could have done with these DOFs and uh, maybe get to a point where we could have had a bit more of a balance of these DOFs before they would introduce them to Holodeck. Well, and I know that in many times in the past that Cryptic has put out test ships where you go to the vendor and you buy a free Odyssey. Could we see something similar to the DOFs, do you think? Yes, and a simple strategy would be to make DOFs available, have us test it, and maybe do a trouble wipe every three months or so. These DOFs are functioning as they are described. Their description are very accurate. Okay, so we know that this never hit on Tribble, and we know that this DOF has been uh, brought up almost immediately after it was released on the forums. What has Cryptic said about the overpoweredness of this new security DOF? We haven't heard anything from Cryptic on this point, so we're not clear as to how they feel about this DOF, but they are not the only DOFs that have some concern where we could have had some more trouble testing to figure things out. The Explosive Expert DOF that is, works with Chronoton Mines, they're supposed to deal a weapon malfunction when they get triggered, but now the person that places the mines, as soon as they place the mines, they get weapon malfunctioned. So we could have used some trouble testing there to clean that up. And then we have some long-term features that have crept up over the last couple of months that 
it would have been helpful to, you know, for us to contribute to the developers and say, well, hey, have you noticed this? Have you noticed this? While they were implementing this feature and we could have assisted them in testing. We've heard several times from Cryptic that a player versus player revamp is coming. And so this may be a good time to have these discussions to say, hey, you're looking at DOFs right now. You're looking at kits right now. We know player versus player revamp is coming on the horizon. Here's a list of issues that you guys probably need to address as part of that revamps. Yes, and we've tried to encourage Cryptic in that sense to keep an eye on features that they need to be aware of. There is a PVP concerns directory, one for space and one for ground. And this is being maintained by players in the game. And so they will try, if they discover a situation that might be problematic, they are posting to that individual post and you can find them on the PVP forums. Now, captains, we want to remind you that the, the purpose of this field note segment is not to expose uh, a potential exploit because as we discussed, the DOFs are working as is, as they are described in the details of the actual DOF themselves. So at this point, it's not considered an exploit and things are working as is. If we're looking to the future in terms of PvP development and the improvement on the gameplay for PvP, both ground and in space, you know, little things like this would be would be great to have on Tribble, where people like Pug and his team can test these out and, and, and call out these concerns and issues that might have arised by accident. Well, Captains, again, we want to thank Pug01 for joining us this afternoon and giving us his insight on what he's experienced with this new DOF that has hit Holodeck. You know, keep an eye out for it. I'm sure that as this gains more traction and attention, you know, all things can be changed. And I think that when they realize how impactful this DOF is to gameplay both in PvE and in PvP, they'll be sure to adjust it accordingly. Pug, thank you again so very much for joining us and, and, and walking us through this. Captains, be on the lookout for it. Don't dismay if you're in PvP. Join the ranks of people like Pug01 and his fleet so you can learn about these strategies and how you can better your gameplay. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Coming into us via the comment section for episode 133 on PriorityOnePodcast.com. We have people answering last week's community question about their thoughts of the new Dilithium Mine. And Midnight Shadow writes, I think that instead of a new fleet holding, to help small fleets transfer contributions between fleets, as suggested by Tony, I think that an invite system would be better. Perhaps players could then easily contribute to other fleets to gain fleet credit and maybe even purchase ships without actually leaving their current fleet. This would allow a lot more cooperation between players and fleets, and I would think would require a lot less back-end systems work. Well, that's what I think. Live long and podcast. Giggity, giggity. He didn't say giggity, giggity. <laughs> no, but it's still pretty cool. I agree, Midnight Shower. I think that's really, really cool. I think that's what needs to happen, but we'll see what actually happens. I don't know. There's time. We'll just say that. There's time. We'll see. They're, I'm sure they're working on ways to do stuff and still make sure that they can make money and that everything works. But, you know, if it's possible and it's not going to kill them in some way, then I'm sure they'll help us out with that in the future. We'll see. So our next piece of feedback came in from Decker, and he writes in with, The great thing about Dilithium Mine is that the upgrade projects for the mine itself don't actually cost dilithium but rather require dilithium mine provisions these provisions are purchased with fleet credits in a small fleet 
The contributions are concentrated among fewer characters, resulting in the members having an abundance of fleet credits and very little to spend them on. So the dilithium mine is a way to contribute some of those fleet credits back to the fleet in a meaningful way. And that's true. That's something I didn't really think about, but that's a good point, Decker. All right, a big shout out to all our new Facebook followers and to DJ Summerwolf on Twitter. Caught the second half of last week's show. Great show. Thank you, sirs. We do want to hear from all of you. So if you have an idea for the show, if we talked about something that got you thinking and you want to let us know, send us your thoughts and your feedback to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or catch us on Facebook, Twitter, or the show forums, or on our chat channel, or any other of the 800 ways we've set up for you to talk to us. So please feel free to talk to us. Well, that wraps up episode 134, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember that we are on air every Thursday night at about 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. And I got to tell you, having a live audience is fantastic. And boy, do we appreciate you joining us every weekend in the chat room. Captains, if you've got something to say, if you're a geeky mom, if you're the biggest Trek fan ever, please join our team as a guest blogger on PriorityOnePodcast.com. If you have other skills that you believe could enhance our content, then reach out to us via email at incomingapriority1podcast.com so you can join the team. Captains, as you know, we love hearing from you, truly. Our listeners, if you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for our Trek It Out or Field Notes segment, or you have general feedback for the show, you can reach us with our online form on priorityonepodcast.com via email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com, Facebook, or Twitter. And fleet member or not, you can always chat with the team by joining our in-game chat channel. Just type forward slash channel underscore join spacebar priority one. And captains, we want you to send in your quick tips, hints, and all other cool manner of things that you might know that other folks may not. For our new segment called 60 Second Strategies. What do you do that helps your gameplay in stow? That's what we want to know. Captains, you can get up-to-the-minute news from Prior to One Podcast by visiting our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Share what we post. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One for showtimes and other cool tidbits. A big shout-out to Adrienne, our community manager, for keeping up with uh, the Facebooks and the Twitters. She does a great job. Kudos to Adrienne. Alrighty then. So... Priority One is brought to us by the generous donations of listeners like you and our sponsors, of course. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. Also, don't forget to visit our Indiegogo page and help us get the Bridge of the Enterprise D to Star Trek Las Vegas convention this August. Go to www.indiegogo.com and search for Enterprise. And remember, it's not just to get it to Vegas. That's just one part of it. You're also trying to help get it recognized as a museum so that we can get this thing opened up for everybody to enjoy for generations to come. All right. We want to thank the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and web developer, Lennon Rich, Justin Lowmaster, our audio assistant, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio, and of course, the Star Trek Online community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Before I get started, you know, we, we have show notes, right? And typically, uh, I will label one thing, Elijah, James, you know, so that way the hosts know, you know, who goes next. So James is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to change this because because Tony's not here. So James, let me get this straight. You don't know that if I start, you would be next on the next segment? Nope. <laughs> oh my God, Tony's not here. Why isn't he saying anything? It says Tony. Why isn't he it's, saying it anything? Clearly, it clearly says Tony. He's ignoring us. Why doesn't it say there's dead air? Tony's not saying anything. Why? Why? He is clearly ignoring here. us. I told you, you know, we don't want any we don't want any uncomfortable anchorman <laughs> conversations happening you're there, right, you're you know. Right. <laughs> uh, a, a big yours, shout though. out. A big <laughs> Up yours, Delta Quadrant. Uh, exactly. Keep it classy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So a big shout out to our evil twins who are in the chat room. There is Elijah's evil twin and James's evil twin. And I don't know if it's the same person or if it's two different people playing off each other, but they're doing a great job. So, so shout out to our evil twins in the chat room. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it's the evil twins. Wait, we are the evil twins. Those are our evil, evil twins. Those are our evil twins, evil twins. All right. Yes. We're all given details on the first annual summer event, also known as Planet Rises. Oh, gosh. Let's see if I get this right. Lohanta? Loch Lunat. Loch Lunat? Okay. Loch, Loch. Planet Rises. Loch Lunat. Loch Lu. So, Loch, like with a Okay, so it's Planet Rises Lindsay Lohan Festival. Okay, and... Loch Lunat. Lohan. Right, Lohan. I got it. Lindsay Lohan. I got it. Right. Loch Lunat. Loch the la luna no lo luna <laughs> all right we'll try that again also on, known say as with planet me. Say rises with, say with, <laughs> say with me lo luna lo right lohan lo lo lindsay lo, lohan right not lo, not for to, tofu got it okay <laughs> Also known as Planet Rises Low Lunat Festival event. 